When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of Bruins Beat, brought to you by CLNS Radio. I'm Mike, joined alongside by Joe and Jason, as always. And uh, some big news for uh, for our, our podcast uh, is that we are officially sponsored by Blue Apron. And uh, for those of you that don't know, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Uh, Blue Apron, you know, it's a very, very, very reasonably priced cooking platform that Joe and Jason and I had the experience of being able to cook, we've gotten some great meals from them. Some of the, um, the meals available this month in November, they had pan-seared chicken with roasted fall vegetables. They had a lemongrass roasted pork with some cauliflower and coconut rice. And guys, I'm telling you, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to cook some of your meals that they've given you, but I've had a blast cooking them, and I think they've been great. Uh, absolutely. Actually, uh, Jason and I both had the, uh, not together, but we both had the Vietnamese uh, meatballs today, and they were off the hook good. And I also, the pork loin that we got our first installment was phenomenal too. And my wife made the salmon. I'm not a fish guy, but she loved that as well. So uh, the best part about this, guys, I don't know about you, but when I go shopping, I hate looking for stuff. And it's great to have it all in one little package. And then, you, get, you know, you just put it together. I just have to get into cutting, you know, cutting up the vegetables and stuff because I'm lazy. But beyond that, it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You can, I mean, for less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes, along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artificial suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or Hillam tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. Jason, what do you think about Blue Apron? I've been very impressed coming from somebody who has never cooked for the life of me. I'm having fun just learning how to cook, and in fact, it's inspiring me to focus 2017 on learning how to cook and getting all the, buying all the cooking utensils to focus on trying to cook. So I'm impressed by it. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So um, check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping just by going to blueapron.com slash Beat. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible Home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Beat. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So very happy to be partnered up with them. But, guys, it's been um, 
it's been a good week with Blue Apron, but it's also been a good week for our for our Boston Bruins. Absolutely. Very, got very big first week, week of predictions, correct? Yes, there you go. Yeah, so far. Absolutely. It's been, it was a very, very good week for the Boston Bruins. Jason, not to toot my own horn also, but I also predicted the Bruins would go 3-0. I just felt that they had a they were better and far superior to the teams that they were playing. But um, I know everyone wants to talk about the hot topic again of the goaltending. It seems every week uh-huh. we, start, we start the show with goaltending. But, I mean, I don't understand how you can't be starting with goaltending right now. And I, I can already see it, Joe. Rass, uh-huh. Rass 10 and 1, mm. and he still can't catch a break because he played back-to-back nights in Colorado and Arizona. And I understand why people will say, well, he, he didn't play against Montreal. You he played back to back in Colorado and Arizona. Uh, and all I'm going to say to you guys is that I understand your point. I understand where you're coming from. I wanted Rask to play against Montreal too, but you got to look at the games differently. Against Phoenix, against Arizona Coyotes. I always call them Phoenix because they changed their name. Yeah, yeah, they changed their name like last year. Uh, Rask didn't really get many opportunities against him. It wasn't like he was being. Peppered with shots, you know, that wasn't like Arizona had 50 shots and he had his work cut out for him. He was trying to make save after save. No, I thought the Arizona game was a very easy game for him. And so Claude Julien goes right back to him on Sunday because, I mean, Arizona and Denver are, aren't that far of a commute for for a game. And like you said, he didn't put any taxing, taxing weight in his body in the first game. So we played him the second game too. And I'm okay with that. And to be honest... I'm okay with it anyways because people are going to be like, well, he should have played against Montreal. And look, I agree with you. I want him to play against Montreal. But it's not just Tuka Rask that sucks against Montreal. It's the whole team. So I think Claude Julien was just like, you know what? I'm going to sit him out. I'll play I'll play McIntyre. I have nothing to lose. And that's why he did it. But And then Tuka Rask wins all three games this week, but it doesn't matter because he didn't play against Montreal. They're 10-6 people, and he's 10-1. Yeah, Please, an, an, enough, enough. Mike, we share the same brain. Um, I, you know, I don't know if you checked out my big, actually, you did check out my Big Bad Bruins page because you came in there like a wrestler with the steel chair and just hit people over the head. So I thank you for that, Mike, because I was out there. I was actually off yesterday because I went to the Pats game the night before. So I was on my on my Bruins page uh, defending Tuca, you know, doing research that these Tuca haters don't do. Um you know, talking, you know, they're all about Thomas and all this stuff. And if you look at the numbers from the 11 to the 13 run, Rask had a better goals against, granted, a, a game less. But, you know, he had a very good run. And if you guys, uh, I don't know, I'll get your opinion quick on this. Who do you think was a better team, the 13 Blackhawks or the 11 Canucks? 13 Blackhawks. Thank you. 13 Blackhawks, agreed. Loaded. They were loaded. And if you remember correctly, I think the Bruins in 11 had a better defense. The defense, you know, Chower was on starting the slide. Seidenberg was starting the slide. So they had a better defense in 11 as well. So – all you haters, do your research. And I'm pretty sure that I looked up Tim Thomas's numbers versus uh, Montreal, 14 and 16, not or, you know not world beating. And if you you know uh, prior to them beat, beating them in 11, beating Montreal in 11, I think they beat them in 08, 09 when they swept them. But then prior to that, I think 1990. And then prior to that, I think it, I don't think they ever beat them because I you know Cam Neely was the first one to break the jinx. If you guys you know. I'm, I'm old enough to remember the jinx, and you guys probably have heard of it, but it was a jinx that they could not beat Montreal. So I don't know. If, I think we just created this in our minds, Mike, that we made this up, that this thing against Montreal and the Bruins, that the Bruins just don't beat them. 
I mean, Tuca's 515. Is that a good record? No, it absolutely sucks. I'm not going to lie to you. But the team is not good against Marshall, period. So yeah, get off that. I agree with you, Joe. I mean, I, I've been trying to help you out there and, and defend the Tuca because last year I was all over ass. But you know what? This year, he's, his numbers are right up there with Carey Price's. He's 10-1. and one. He's 10-1. and one. What what more can he do? Do the do people not realize without Rask this season the Bruins are zero and five? Mike, he's, Rask, injured. he's injured too. He's playing injured. But Rask doesn't start. They're zero and five. <laughs> Rask has single Rask has single handedly led this team to be second in the division. Granted, I mean they were second yesterday when I checked the standings. I don't know if anything changed today with the games going on tonight or whatever. But they were second in the division. They're ten and six through sixteen games. They're playing good hockey because Tuka Rask is allowing them to play good hockey. And you'll and all you and like you'll try and reason with some of the people, Joe, and you'll be like, oh, okay. you'll be like, look at look at Rask's stats this year. He's ten and one. He has this save percentage, this goals against average. He's playing best in the caliber goaltender. And they'll be yeah. like, they'll be like, oh, I don't care. He 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 chokes all the games. He's not Carey Price. He's not Carey Price. And, it, and then I try to you know reason with some of these with some of these people too, and I'm like, you know, Carey Price has never been to a Stanley Cup Finals. You guys know, right? Mm. How, how about Braden Holtby? You ever been to the Stanley Cup Finals? Nope. Monquist has made it to Monquist made it to one, and everyone would be like, those three goalies are probably three of arguably the top five goalies in the NHL. So where I can see where fans people are coming from by saying he's not Price. Nope, he's not Price. But what have, what has Rast done that Price hasn't brought his team to the Stanley Cup Finals? And I'm not saying Rast is better than Price, but all I'm saying is people just will dump on Rast for whatever. They'll be like. Oh well, they, he blew it against the Flyers, and oh, so so it was just him, right? He was the only player on the ice, and someone was someone commented back, Joe, and was like, essentially, it's it's his fault. So oh, so Rask deserves blame for their their whole collapse against Philadelphia. Just oh yeah, and uh, Tuka Rask also broke Krejci's wrist that year too, right? He he slashed his wrist. Um, the argument, you know, what, Mike, I'm, I think I'm at to the point where I'm just whatever. You know, I, I just can't deal with it anymore. You know, a couple of people are like, who's going to play net if they trade Rask? You know, they can't answer the question. Um, it's, you know what, I think I'm like, just going to let Tuka Rasu talk. I just hope some miraculous, he pulls off like a Tim Thomas year and wins the cup. You know, if he wins the cup, they'll be like, well, you know, they have these breaks. It'll be excuseville. You know that because they'll, they'll be finally wrong. Like if they, they avoid Montreal, they'll be like, well, he didn't play Montreal. Yeah, right, right, right. Cause he does the, he does the playoff seedings. <laughs> it just, I just, the thing is, it's not the first year. I mean, I've been. If you guys see my page over the year, I've been a fan. I'm a, I'm a goal. I'm a goaltender fan. I loved Andy Moog. I liked Tim Thomas before he went crazy town. And then uh, you know I like Tukarask. I like goalies because they're just nuts and they just you know they're they're the most important uh, you know position on on the ice. And for this guy, did he have a couple of moments that might be questionable? Well, I even think against Ottawa, if he's crapping his pants, he's not going to be able to do much for you anyway. Uh, the Finland thing, you know, as soon as that happened, I knew he was going to get flack for that too. So be it. Um, but this year, you just can't. He's ten and one, guys. Because if it wasn't for him, they'd be like three or four wins if they're like. Uh, Jason, what do you think about Tukaras so far? And I know we keep talking about gold, like Tukaras and how he's doing this year and stuff. But I mean, it's kind of hard to ignore. He's he's been he just won the, the star of the week this past week for for the NHL, the whole NHL. I mean, I mean, I know we started the past two shows talking about goaltending, but I don't see how you can't with the way. Rask has been playing. A goaltender doesn't make a team, but I'm going to keep you guys in suspense here. I am changing, changing my mind still a little bit. I am uh, I'm amazed at how well he's actually played, and the team seems to respond 
behind him. You can already see that. And if and maybe, you know, he has a fire in him this year. So it's been very impressive. I'm going to change my mind. And I've been, like I said, I've been on the verge of backing off anyway. But, you know, it's been very impressive. It's great to see the team respond. And the Bruins have a lot of good going for them. And, you know, Felger and Maz brought up a good thing on a Fudo Shinzao article that we're going to discuss later. But uh, I'm impressed. Uh, the one thing I also want to talk about with the goal situation, too, is um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, Anton Hudobin's back practicing with the team. They had three goalies on the ice for uh, skate today. It was uh, obviously McIntyre still with the team also. And uh, what's bringing me to the point here is is I'm kind of bummed that Hudobin's back. And I don't mean this that Hudobin's a bad player. I just wanted to see more, a little bit more from McIntyre. I agree. And, and I'm not trying to, like, Dump on Hudobin. Obviously, Hudobin got signed to be the backup goaltender, so it's better to send down McIntyre, get him playing time in the AHL. He'll probably dominate dominate the, the start because Subban's still sucking down there. But I mean, I just wanted to see him get, probably get one one more NHL start, and I don't think that's going to happen because Hudobin seems like he's going to come back. And I remember Joe, you were a big advocate for for McIntyre over Hudobin too after watching them both play this year. I I thought. I thought McIntyre's been good. I mean, uh, even though, you know, against New York, I think he kept him in that first period. They had the lead, and then he fell apart. And then he just, did, you know, he had a gaffe at the end of the Montreal game. So, um, you know, he played in two of the toughest houses or barns, if you will, to play in. And he, he did not – he didn't get really get rattled, you know. I against think two of the best there. teams. Sorry to cut you off there, Joe, but two of the best teams oh, yeah. in NHL right now, too. Uh, yeah, definitely. If um, – I would personally, I'd put a, uh, put Hadobin down, get him a little, get him a little more play because he was shaky those first couple games with the Bruins. Get him, you know, get him some, you know, rehab starts if you will. Let him, you know, take his time, and then I'd let the kid play a little longer. You know, I definitely would too. I I, I like McIntyre's game. Like you said, he had a minor hiccup against Montreal, but I mean it happens to pretty much their whole team against Montreal, anyways. So I'm not going to hold that against him. I thought he was really, really good against the Rangers, even though they hit up five goals. I thought the team in front of them just literally quit and sucked. And they up score. That game easily could have been like 15 to, to Yeah, that was a bad game. If I can I mean, add I, into this, you know. I just want to see him play one more start. That's all. See what he can do going forward. Because, I mean, I, like you said, Joe, I haven't really trusted who would open in the net this, this year. If I, can, if I can add into this, sure. what I've noticed is that. Hudoman's still injured. He'll be. He's gonna be out for another month or so. Just because he's back skating, he still has a lot of rehab to do. So I wouldn't be that concerned. A month? No way. McIntyre getting another start or two. He's not gonna be out for another month, Jason. If he's skating. No, he's close. No, he's close. He didn't get surgery or anything. He just had to heal up a wound. Okay, then I missed the uh, second diagnosis because of the fact that I thought he was diagnosed to be out at least three months, but I might have been wrong. Oh, three weeks. Three weeks. Yeah, it was three weeks. Okay, in that side, and I I miss I miss misheard what I saw. I didn't. Do we ever hear what the injury? Do we ever hear what the injury actually was? Did anyone actually? Did they ever say it? No, I think it's the shoulder. Yeah, the upper body injury. I I know that. They said it would be out three weeks. I don't think it was anything like major though. It wasn't like he had to get surgery or like. It wasn't like Vetrano's where he's like in a walking boot and like has to like get back on the ice. And Vitano's obviously still not skating or anything like that. Or it wasn't like Kevin Miller's broken hand where he had to get surgery on it. So it was, I think it was just a minor, like, he strained or pulled something, so he had to rest it. So I think he's coming back sooner rather than later, and which makes me kind of bummed out because I thought McIntyre was going to play one of these games this past weekend. He didn't, and I think now 
the two games that he got are probably the, the two starts he, he's going to get for the year unless something happens to either Rask or Kudobin going forward. Well, if you want to be if you want to be bummed out, Kevin Miller might be coming back. <laughs> so that's something to get bummed out about. That you actually know? is something to get bummed out about, Joe. Because if, if for those of you that don't know, Kevin Miller skated with the team today in Denver, and now the Bruins have one more game on the road in Minnesota on Thursday. So I think they kind of just been hanging out in Denver and skating skating there. And Kevin Miller rejoined the team, and I was dreading this day from the start that Kevin Miller was going to rejoin this team because. I almost blew my own head off when the Bruins re-signed him, and now I have to now I have to see him playing in a Bruins uniform uh, again. You know what? Uh, I'm going to say this. I'm not as panicky as you guys are. I think that the Bruins are going to use Miller in a different role because there's no way they're going to sit down Carlo. Not even close. Oh, I'm not well. If anyone's getting said, I think I haven't honestly the last couple games I've been in and out watching because of going to Patriots games, whatever. But I think Colin Miller's been struggling pretty bad. So uh, I think if anyone's going to go, it's going to be him. I mean, going to be sat down. Be, it'll be it'll be a bunch of them that are going to be sitting up in the up in the night for for a couple of games, alternating back and forth. It'll be between McQuaid and Colin Miller, and them all yeah. alternating. Colin's not leaving the ice. He's not leaving the ice. If, if he does leave the ice, I'll blow my own head off again for Kevin Miller. I well, you got a lot of heads, bro. I, I want Carlo to stay right where he is with Chara because they've been the Bruins' best defensive pair yeah. all season long, which we talked about last week. I think Colin Miller is going to be willing to sit, and he's going to play Kevin yeah. Miller. I don't think he's going to scratch McQuaid at all, Jason, because Club loves McQuaid. Loves him. Uh, there's there's no right. getting around it. Club loves McQuaid and loves Kevin Miller. There's there's no getting around it. It's going to be Colin Miller that sits. Um, obviously, you're not going to sit Krug, even though Krug's not having a great year so far. I mean, he runs your power play from the point. You know, he can give you offense from the back end. It's not going to be Krug. Uh, and you lost John Michael Lyles, too. The older vet veteran guy that just works hard. Claude loves, Claude loves those guys. I'm telling you, it's going to be Colin Miller. Yeah, yeah but definitely. you're talking about a bunch of – a couple of players, specifically McQuaid, who's got any injury history. So why not try to keep him as rested as possible? Why not play the game? Why not play the matchups? That's what I would do if I was a coach. I would take advantage yeah, of all the, my assets. That, that's them. the thing, Jason, is you aren't the coach. Claude Julian's the coach, and he's I not going to – I think Jason might be better. I think he might be better. <laughs> he's not going to do that. I mean, if you've known if you, – he's played – Claude favors the veterans. He does. He favors them. It's, it's going to be Colin Miller that's sat – which kind of stinks because if the Bruins is, start struggling, then if the Bruins start struggling, the Claude's not going to have any other choice. The Bruins are playing too well with the chemistry they have right now. I don't want to ruin that. I'm telling Bring you, he's going to get in there. Ruin that. He's going to get in there. Claude loves him. He played him with Chara last year. Yeah, Colin Mills getting moved. Yeah, Colin yeah, Mills played Chara. There's no way Claude doesn't play him. There's no possible way. And I'm saying what stinks about it is that Colin Miller should be put in the lineup every. Game this year to see what he can bring you. Every game that Colin Miller is healthy for, you want to scratch him for one game to get Joe Morrow some some ice time for a game or two. Fine, but Colin Miller should should play this year because he didn't play that much last year. You traded Milan Lucic and Colin Miller was the person that you got back for in the deal. Yes, they got Martin Jones too, but obviously they turned that into something else. So I don't want to talk about Martin. Get that going. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Colin Miller didn't really play that much last year. Everyone talked about how he, he was supposed to have like you know a good year this year. You know maybe he can he can be a, a top four defenseman or you know that good offensive power uh, offensive defenseman that run the power play kind of like a Krug. And this was supposed to be the year he does it. And I know it's only been sixteen games, but why not let him see if he can develop? This this is the year to be developing defensemen because what is Kevin Miller honestly going to bring you 
like way that's way more important than what Colin, than developing Colin Miller. No, I agree with you. But the thing is, they signed him. They signed McQuaid and Miller, who are the same player, and they're, they're gonna, you know, that's a big hit on the cap. And they're gonna, you know, what I mean, it's just because they have to, because they got to kind of, uh, you know, pretty much prove their uh, mistake wasn't a mistake. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those stupid things. The only thing that you can hope for is that uh, the Las Vegas team takes one of them off the Bruins' oh, hands when they have the expansion draft. Uh, yeah, hey, no. hey, you have Miller and McQuaid. Pick your poison. Which one do you want? Yeah, they could be doorman at the uh, at the Caesars. Uh, <laughs> it, it, they just, yeah, both those guys. I mean, Colin Miller. If you remember, I mean, excuse me, Kevin Miller. Remember last year, he was an absolute train wreck at the end of the year. And then when they started getting things together, he played a little bit better. But a little bit better means he still sucks. So um, Adam McQuaid, I just, I still. He's good for one fight every ten games, but that's it. I mean, he doesn't. He he's like Jimmy Hayes, but he can fight. That's it. He has one face to his game with Jimmy Hayes as zero. Um, he does. He, McQuaid hasn't been healthy since the eleven season. I mean, he's been hurt every year for an average of what twenty games, easy. You know. Oh yeah, I remember we we ran through like his games played last afternoon. It was just he missed oh. at least ten to fifteen games a season. It was ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But. I, it's just going to be frustrating to see Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid both in the ice at the oh, same time. Happy days. <laughs> it's coming. Bruins fans, it's coming. It's like, it's, even like, if they want to prove something, how about getting Joe Morrow, who's the last remnant of the Sagan trade, and see if he can do anything. Is that He's the one, one of the younger guys that just, he doesn't, I don't think he, he needs to get up here for a longer period of time and actually play a lot because he's up here for like three games and sent down, two games sent down. He can't get any momentum going. I think, if I remember correctly, I know you guys watch more preseason than I did. Did he play pretty decent in the preseason? Yes, he did, and what, that's why he that's what frustrated the other night too. That's what frustrated me about the John Michael Lyles signing was because I think Joe Morrow could be very similar to Michael Lyles. In John Michael, John Michael Lyles is thirty six years old. Joe Morrow is like twenty four. Why not pick the younger guy that has fresher legs and, like I said, see what he can do. There's no reason that you should have re had to re-sign John Michael Lyles. And the problem that the problem is they re-signed Michael Lyles, they re-signed Kevin Miller, they re-signed Adam McQuaid. It's because Jeremy Jacobs doesn't want to do a full rebuild and develop this team, that he wants to make the playoffs and be, you know, in the Stanley Cup finals or the Stanley Eastern Conference finals. Your deep playoff run. Playoff, deep playoff run. So that's why that's why Don Sweeney has to re-sign these morons. Because because he's like, okay, well if I play the young kids and they don't work where there's no there's no shot in hell we're making the playoffs. If I play these guys and somehow they they get lucky and you know fall on their ass, but somehow make a play, they'll they'll be fine. I think Jeremy Jacobs is eating too much of those vodka infused jumbo meatballs because if he thinks this team is going to be a deep playoff run, he's high. They are playing good now. Don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, everybody, oh, actually, uh, you guys too. I remember uh, at the beginning, uh, the end of October when the Bruins were terrible, and I'm like, yeah, I'd be lucky if Claude makes it until November eighth. So I took a screen cap of the tweet and sent it to me. But the thing is, between me and other people, I admit I was wrong. What do you want me to tell you? I mean, uh, one of the main reasons why Claude saved his job is because of Tuca. So I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? No, absolutely. But, it, but it's it's uh, it's uh, you know. Right, let me know when we talk about Jimmy Hayes because I have to destroy him again. Let me know. <laughs> we'll talk about, we'll talk about that. Yeah, and I'm watching this Bruins team, and this is without Kevin Miller on the ice, and you're seeing a young team from the core develop. David Pasternak 
develop him second in the league in scoring. Like, why would the Bruins management want to disrupt what a young core is doing? Isn't this a good enough sample size to realize get rid of some of these other players and let the kids play? Look at that. I mean, like, I understand Claude Julian doesn't like young guys, but isn't he yeah. willing to see something? And I'm just hoping in my heart of hearts, because I, I might, I might disagree with you, because I think in my heart of hearts something's gonna happen in which Miller and McQuaid are separated on the ice in the same game. Because the young coaches have to be sending a message. There has to be something going on. There has to be something behind the scenes. Because there's got pictures. Because I don't think there's anything behind the scenes. I mean, I just don't see how you don't think that McQuaid and Miller are going to be on the same same ice at the same time. They were on the same ice at the same time last year and the previous year before last that. Year is, last year and the year before are different than this year. Right now, the way that this team's playing, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't mess up that chemistry. Last year last year and the year before, the Bruins were playing final season long, too. They just choked away the last month of the season. And they were both in the lineup. I just I just don't understand why you don't think... I understand what you're saying. They're playing well right now. There's no reason to, to mess up chemistry well, you have a couple young kids that are faster than Kevin Miller and McQuaid combined with Colin Miller and Joe Morrow. It would be a dumb yeah, move on Claude Julian's part to put Kevin Miller back into this lineup. You, you're preaching to the but choir. But he's going to be. Yeah. See, see, Jay, so let me to prove to the uh, whole Claude is uh, not really smart kind of thing. Uh, he plays Jimmy Hayes almost every night. So if that doesn't tell you that he doesn't like really look at the rationale and the numbers and what's real, you know, what he should do and shouldn't do. He plays Jimmy Hayes because Jimmy Hayes makes $4 million a year. He's going to play Kevin Miller because he makes so many million dollars a year. He's going to play Adam McQuaid because he makes so many million dollars a year. Because if they sit those guys, they're going to get destroyed. Because, oh, you throw all this money away, and then Jeremy Jacobs is like, what do you sign these guys for? They're covering their ass, too. I mean, come on. Let's be straight up about it. Neely and Sweeney for their bad picks. I mean, their Joe bad contract it. signings. Joe, you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. And that's what pretty much I'm saying, too, Jason, is that we agree, I agree with you. I would not put Kevin Miller back into the lineup. The way they're playing, they're playing good. They have some young players playing well. Like when Colin Miller, when Colin Miller, I think he's been playing fine. You know, Brandon Carl obviously has been really impressive. When Joe Morris was in there, he's been playing good. But like Joe said, they paid McQuaid. They paid Miller. They didn't really pay Morrow. They didn't really pay Colin Miller. They're kind of on the bottom of the barrel salary cap defensive wise. It would be like, I mean, I, I don't want to compare them to Chara because that's too much. But like. If Tory Krug, like like Tory Krug hasn't played that bad, I mean, hasn't played that well all season long this year. He hasn't been scratched once. You know why? Because he just signed a $5 million contract. He's, it's not going to happen. That's why he's playing. He's never going to be scratched. If he is going to be scratched, it'll be for a game, and he'll be right back in there. There's no possible way that Colin Miller plays more than Kevin Miller this year if they're both healthy. And that's the problem I have, and that's why I don't – And that's why I think Kevin Miller's Miller management absolutely and totally sucks. Um, they're going to screw this team. This team that's developing chemistry, they're going to screw this team all to try to prove something. They've been screwing up this team for five years. Yes, they have. <laughs> they, it, it will continue, but the one, the, I mean, there's a few There's a few positive things, though. Like we talked about Pashnik last week, Carlo last week, the, the youth movement. Uh, they've been, those two guys have been playing well. And I think someone else has been playing really well, too, that doesn't really get, I don't get enough, you know, Say or I mean, I'll say get enough praise around here is Austin Zarnik, and he doesn't yep. do anything flashy. He doesn't do anything like crazy, or he just works hard. He he's about ten inches smaller than Jimmy Hayes, and he makes more of an impact on the ice when he's out there. And if you haven't realized, when they put Austin Zarnik on the third line and move Jimmy Hayes onto the fourth line, the third line actually started scoring. 
Oh, with the flat line be, was resurrected, my, my, my brothers and sisters. <laughs> Jimmy Hayes just brought, them down. They, brought them down. Because they, because they put on Austin Zarnick and they put a young kid on the line who actually knows how to play the game. How about Bolesky? Looks great. Looks Even great. Nash looks better. Yeah, Nash looks better. Bolesky looks great. And Bolesky got benched. So this, is what, this is what pretty good players do. They get benched. They realize they're not playing well. They look, you know, they're looking down at the game. They're looking at, you know, what you know what the other guys are doing on the ice. They break it down. They they're trying to interject what they did wrong. And all this. Jimmy Hayes is just stuffing his face with beers and probably popcorn up there and doesn't give a shit. Oh, sorry, crap. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think he just Jimmy Hayes. I just think is checking out. That's what I think. He signed his contract. He's good. I mean, that's what I feel like too. And the one thing I think is going to be interesting that happens with that whole Jimmy Hayes thing, and which I think, which could happen, this could happen because, like Joe said, you pay him the money. When Frank Petrano comes back, when Petrano comes back, what are they just going to send down Zarnik now because, you know, Jimmy Hayes makes the money? That would be awful, absolutely horrendous if they did that because I like Zarnik. He's playing really well in the third line. And even when Backers went out and he was playing with Craig Sheen Spooner, I said, I said to a few of my buddies, and I even said to my dad, I go, this Zarnik kid can play. And he competes, he works hard, and he's a young player. Play the young kids. Just play them. Let them develop. Let him, if he's playing well, play him. And, like, I understand what, what Jason's saying. Like, Colin Miller, play him. Carlo, play him. Play the young kids. But it'll be, it'll be frustrating if Toronto comes back and Austin Zarnik gets sent down because I think he deserves to be on this team. Yeah, I agree. Like, what, like I feel like... You have a bunch of players, even though they're a little bit older, who still have some skill. The Bruins need to get off their butt and make a hockey move while their team is still developing. And they're not going to do it. And it's going to be one of those things where Boston media, not just me, not just you, not just you, where everybody looks at this team and says, you're throwing this away because you have an opportunity. I'm going to feel bad when Richard comes back to see Austin Zarnick go back down. And Austin uh. Zarnick's probably earned his place after playing almost half the season as well as he's played. He's been playing great. I think he deserves to stay. But that the problem is they, they overpay for players that they don't need to sign. And, like, their fourth line of, of Schaller and Moore and Achari, I think Achari's been hurt. He got, yeah. got actually got, he, Achari got banged up. He'll be out, like, a month or so. So now that's why Jimmy Hayes is actually playing, Joe, I think. <laughs> I think. But yeah, that's why. When, when Achari and Vachano come back, that the problem is they, they're signing players like Jimmy Hayes to – Contracts they shouldn't be signing to. They never really signed Jimmy Hayes. He was still off that board contract. They yeah, they got that beautiful little contract with that big uh, what two hundred pound bag of potatoes. Okay, that's all he is. Should I get into him now? Could you let me get a rant in? Go ahead, absolutely. Right. Go ahead. Let's do the Jimmy. Let's do the Jimmy Hayes. Uh, this moment uh, sponsored the Jimmy by Hayes, uh, Jimmy Hayes Friendship of the Week by Joe Gill. Yeah, this, this part is not sponsored by Blue Apron because Blue Apron is really good and Jimmy Hayes isn't. Um, this is sponsored by stress and, and anger, okay? So basically, all right, Jimmy Hayes, okay. There was a play, I believe it was against Columbus, where a guy went to the corner. He's, you know, on the boards, getting the puck, and Jimmy Hayes could have actually used his big, you know, totem pole body and actually hit the dude. But did you think he did? Nope. Peeled off. <laughs> That just, like, typifies who he is. He could have, like, set the tone and actually had a big hit and actually showed the people that pay the money and made the people who actually, you know, signed his, uh, you know, actually signed, you know, signed his checks and all that, that he really cares because he shows nothing. 
he took a shot the other day too that was like he looked like he was shooting it with a you know piece of plywood. It was just like there was nothing. He yet again. Let's go over the let's go over it again, gentlemen. Can't shoot, can't pass, can't hit, uh, can't fight. He lost to a midget. Remember that? He can't fight. He, he the only reason he's in there is because the Chari's hurt. But at the same time, I'm thinking, can we bring up anyone from Providence that you know is young and needs some time to develop? Let's bring them up because Jimmy Hayes brings zero point zero to the game. Well, they had Danton Heinen up, but they sent him down. Because Jimmy Hayes is better than him, not, said no one. Yeah, and <laughs> actually, I know you don't really follow the Providence Bruins that much, Joe, but Danton Heinen's actually been playing pretty well down there, too. Funny how that happens when they keep the they keep the 6.5 uh, stiff. Yeah, well, yet again, if you, you know, and Jason, this is the, this is it. It's a business, and they have to justify. Like, if there's a you do a product, you know, you have – you have cars out there that have problems after you have to do a recall. The Bruins need to recall the uh, Jimmy Hayes SS. They need to recall the Adam McQuaid Coupe, and they need to recall the Kevin Miller uh, 4 by 4 because they all suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? They all they, they should be on the used car salesman lot and just basically be sold for scrap because they, they bring nothing to the table. And, Jason, I'm completely on board with you. I read that these young kids play. Here's the thing. If these young kids, like Mike Michael Felger, who a lot of people hate, but I think he's really knowledgeable about the Bruins, and you can tell he's a fan, so he, you know, he really is kind of uh, straight now. Um, you, you bring on these players that bring nothing to the table, but the thing is, they got to justify to play them. Now, if you go with these young kids and then you you don't make the playoffs, you can at least say Pasternak has developed. You can say Carlo has developed. You can say maybe Colin Miller. Or Zarnick, they all they do. So you're getting a little bit of a core going here because you know, as much as we hate to admit, it, hate to admit it, you know, Bergie's getting older. Crutchy's, you know, degenerate. He's degenerating because his hips and all that stuff at 30 years old already. They need some people like the Chicago Blackhawks, who has uh, done this to a science. They basically cultivate these young kids and bring them up, and then they harvest them and then get rid of the old guys or trade them. Like they traded Brandon Saad. He wasn't old, but, they, you know, they couldn't take the contract on. They got rid of him, and they brought another guy, and you can't – they don't miss a beat. So Bruins just need to look at these blueprints. The Kings kind of did the same thing, and they're winning cups. So I, I don't – you know, I don't know why they missed the boat on this one. Yeah, well, I don't know either. I'm going to keep going off of this because you guys brought up Denton Heinen, which just tells me one thing. The Bruins have so much youth developing in the next year or two. You want to hope that they let these contracts, or these, these ludicrous contracts, the McQuaid and the Millers, expire or they trade them before then or they release them. You have so many young kids developing. They need to start playing them. You can't set them in Providence for three or four years in their careers. These young players are going to get pissed. They're going to want to go too. Well, they need to make the playoffs because Jeremy Jacobs is losing his mind because he's lost all the gate and the concessions the last two years. So they feel that these young kids make too many mistakes. They won't be able, you know, they'll cost them games, but they rather they think for some reason or another they think the used cars that they bring in here are going to be better than the new models on the, on the lot. So I, the I don't. The Boston thing is all about money, and that's why I think the Jacobs are ridiculous too. But I won't go there. Oh, yeah, let's say, yeah, you know, I've been a fan for a long time, man. I've been saying the same thing because this team, they don't care about the team. I mean, they're from Buffalo, New York. They don't, they don't care, care about the team. They don't really even care about the city. They care about the money. Yeah, it's a money-making yeah, endeavor. Yep, and all the concessions, they make tons of money in the concessions. And they, that's what killed them. They don't, they really don't, they make more off the concessions probably than the gate. You know what I mean? <laughs> End of the day. Um, it's it's all business, man. It's just uh you know, it's just that sports, and it's just it's sickening, and the prices go up, and everybody pays tons of money, and then luckily they play more decent at home. But 
it, it is what it is, man. It sucks, but yeah. But I mean, getting back to the to the Bruins young players that have been playing, and also I, I like I said, we brought Petrano and Joe. I saw someone comment and say uh, where does Petrano slot in when um, when he returns to the lineup? And that's a very good question because I, going into this year, I thought Spooner was going to play center. So when I was checking out the Bruins line situation, I was like, I would put Petrano. Who's, who's, who scored a goal per game in Providence last year? Thirty-five goals in thirty-five games for Vertrano last year. I would have put him with Krejci. Krejci, Krejci has been complaining about his line mates. He doesn't have continuity with them, and they have Spooner up there on the on the wing now playing with with Krejci. But I I, I, I want Vertrano there. I want Vertrano to play Spooner's with Krejci backers. Right, Spooner, I don't. I think Spooner. I think his days are done. He just. I I just think some guys just don't fit in Claude's scheme at all. Like at all. And he he just I, I don't know what you guys feel I don't think I think Spooner's I think the the ship is sailed. Yeah, and that's why I would put Vertrano there because I think I mean I think Spooner is a natural center too even though he's not good on the defensive side of things I think Spooner plays better in the middle so if you just move Spooner down to the third line and put him with Bolesky and Nash and then you can also have a, a pretty productive third line because I mean Spooner's more offensive and you know Bolesky and Riley Nash are pretty responsible and. Hard nosed player, and then you put the skill of Spooner with them. I mean, why not try it? That's that's what I would do personally. But Vedrano, I don't know where he's going to slide in because it's going to be tough because someone's going to have to sit, and then you have to juggle the lines a bit. And like Jason said earlier, it depends on how they're doing at the time. You don't want to mix it up too much. But Vedrano should be back on the slam. I think probably in a month or so, and I'm hoping he. He slides in with Krejci. That's just what I would hope. I don't know if it's going to happen, but that's just my thought. I mean, I would, I would, I think, you know, I think I would put him on the fourth line just to get his feet back and get back into it. You know what I mean? And then, uh, then you know, when he's, he's got his timing down and everything like that, I think you put him up to the second line. That, that that's just that's what I would do, too. And, like, Spoon, I, like you said, I, I think Spooner's not having a good year. I mean, I, it's the ship has sailed on Spooner, I think. Everyone's been talking about him. Talking him up, saying Spooner's going to have a breakout year this year. You know, look for Ryan Spooner. You know, I think the only time Spooner's good is when on the power play. I so think he had... Yeah, you got Spooner, who is having an, an okay year below average. You've got Tori Krug, who's still young, who's having an average okay year. There you go. There's two players. And, you know, if Krejci continues the pace that he's going, throw Krejci in the two. Now you have three players who you could possibly trade by the trade deadline if you so wanted to. To help bring up the youth movement that's sitting in Providence or that still that needs to play. You got Ryan Spooner's solution. Yeah, Ryan Spooner's got three goals, four assists, and he's a minus two. So the team's still gonna want him because he's still young. Yeah, yeah no, a, team's gonna, a team will want him. He might him. not bring you that. a lot. He might not bring no, you the yeah, greatest that you want, but you can package him and still have some value there. Well, no, I think what Joe's saying is he has seven points, but he's still a minus two. Yeah, like so that's, he's not, like that's the problem. He, like, he's not like, he's not playing his natural position too. So if a team's looking for a natural center, right, he's out of position. Take correct. A yeah, he's out of position. But the thing is with him, I think his only glimmer of brilliance, if you will, is when he was with Lucic and Pasternak a couple years ago. They look really good. You remember Lucic was actually skating and putting some effort because he had to keep up with the two kids. Um, wasn't he playing his natural position two years ago in that point? Yeah, he was. You're right. No, you're right. He was playing center that time too. So. They got too many centers. Yeah, but I, mean, I understand your point, Joe. I mean, Jason, about playing his natural position. But you're an NHL, you're an NHL player. Like, figure it out. Team Canada on the in the World Cup of Hockey. I know they're. I know it's Team Canada, and they have all the talent in the world. But they had the only natural winger they had on their whole team was Brad Marchand. Everyone else played center. 
That's true. So figure it out. Like, you're an NHL player. Bergeron slides over to the wing with, with Crosby. Bergeron's a natural center. It, like, you, you're just going to sack up and do it. If you want to be an NHL caliber player, that's what you got to do. So I understand he's not playing his natural position, but he's playing with Bacchus and Krejci. He's not playing with stiffs. Like, figure it out, make it work, and, and be better. That's all. No doubt. Um, I know. Uh, do, do you want to touch on Pasternak, his play a little bit? I mean, I I just think he's been on uh, absolutely phenomenal this season, and I've been calling for this for so long now to just let the kid play, let the kid play, please, please let him play. I was calling for it last year. I was calling for it even two years ago, and finally, Claude's letting him play. He's he's having a breakout season. He's doing everything imaginable. He's and you know what it is too. He finally he finally realized to play with. You know, reliable players. Yeah. That way, because he's not the best defensive player. You're not. I mean, he's not. It's. He's just. It's just going to happen. Like some players are just offensively gifted. Some players are just better overall, all around players. But he put him. He finally realized it and put him with Bergeron and Martian, which is the best move that Claude Julien I think has made in quite some time. Do you guys agree? So, uh, do you think Pasternak has come along more defensively than Sagan did in year three? I do. I do too. I think because he's in the he's in the corners. I think he's getting in there. He's you know if there's some scrums he gets in there too, which is which is very impressive. He's put on a ton of weight. He's been, he's been physical. He's been physical this year. Yeah, I, I think I already like his game. Uh, I was a huge Sagan fan. I was like you know following his whole career when he was with the Bruins and all that. But he, that's not that's not his game. He's never getting in the corners. He's, I think Pasternak uh, got the nose to get in the corners. You know he's not going to be a backus or anything like that. Don't get me wrong, but I think he's going to bring enough. Because he's evidently one clock, you know, one cloud over because he's playing. So, because uh, I think I, I heard too that he didn't go back to the Czech Republic this offseason. He stayed in Boston and he worked on all that. He worked working out and all that stuff. Because you, you know, you young kid, you go back home, you're probably not really putting in as much effort as you should. Or your friends, yeah, distractions, the ladies, you know, like the Yago would say, the ladies. Um, you know, so I think that has definitely paid off big time. And he is just awesome to watch, and he's wearing my favorite number, eighty-eight. So I can't complain. Yeah, <laughs> nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, Jason, too. did you have a thought on Pasternak, or did you, or do you want to move on to the um, Pluto story over the over the weekend? I'm gonna give you the quick thought before we move on. I want to say I do agree. I think Pasternak has become a more defensive player, and I didn't say that in the comparison to Sagan. Um, Pasternak, by far, for his age, has a better maturity level than Sagan had at his age. Oh, I think so, too. The maturity yeah. thing is actually a big factor in that. And I know pretty much people would say the maturity part was more of the reason they got rid of him than the skill. But, I mean, but that's, not, that's not either either here nor there. We can talk about the Sagan thing at a different time. But the one thing I want to talk about uh, that, we, that we touched on last week was obviously that Jacob Trouba signed, re-signed with Winnipeg. And obviously Bruins fans wanted him to be you know, the defenseman of the future here with Carlo. But we also shot that down real fast and said it wasn't going to happen. Yep. But an interesting thing that Fluto Shinzawa, who covers the Bruins for the Boston Globe, wrote about in his article was pretty much stating that, you know, what the Winnipeg Jets did with Truba could have been a similar situation with the Bruins and Dougie Hamilton. You know, if people remember Dougie Hamilton asked for a trade – Per se, I mean, no, it never really came out that he asked for a trade, but it's the the rumor was he didn't want to be in Boston and he wasn't going to resign in Boston. He wanted out. He wanted to be go somewhere else. And the Bruins could have just did the same thing that the Winnipeg Jets did. 
not re-signed him. He said, trade me. And the Bruins would have been like, we'll trade you, but we're not going to trade you just for nothing. We can trade you for whatever. And they, and Pluto writes, oh, did you think that was like a smart move? Like, a, you think the Bruins should have done the same thing and kept Hamilton and the Bruins wouldn't be struggling with defensive help. And the, the one thing Wait. that bothers me about this article is that everything. When did Dougie Hamilton? When did Dougie Hamilton become Bobby Orr? Never. He wasn't. He wasn't uh, good I, defensively. He was terrible. Bobby, I mean, Dougie Hamilton. Can people stop with this Dougie Hamilton craze? I think Dougie Hamilton sucks. I thought he sucked when he was here. I thought he was the most overrated Bruins defenseman in quite some time. Like I, Dougie Hamilton did nothing. Can everyone remember any single uh, thing that Dougie Hamilton did yeah, that's memorable? I think the Detroit. Playoff series, he had a couple of unbelievable goals. I have to give him credit where credit's due, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah he, he had that one goal against Detroit. They rushed the puck again to end and then shot a t- up a corner. Right. But he's not even playing well in Calgary. He just got paid $5 million or $6 million in Calgary, and he's playing as their bottom pair number six defenseman because oh, they don't like him up there. Wow. Yes. And, there, and, then it's just, and then there's already, re- I've been hearing about reports from uh, people up in Canada and TSN saying that the pe- Calgary's are going to trade him because they don't like him. He's horrible. Dougie so Hamilton not, is not good. He's not a good defenseman. And I understand he has, Sorry. No, it's okay. I understand he has the offensive skill. You know, he would he would flash a, a good offensive play once in a while, but he can't play defensively. The guy's a head case, and he's the most overrated player that Bruins fans overrated for quite some time. Dougie Hamilton is the Bruins are better off without Dougie Hamilton. And so the Bruins actually won a trade. I, <laughs> I think I think they did. I mean, to be honest, I'd rather a first and second round pick for Dougie Hamilton than keeping him on this team because I don't think Dougie Hamilton would have been that good. And I heard saw someone mention this today. Would you rather Brandon Carlo or Dougie Hamilton? Oh, Mike, I, I was just going to totally Brandon, build off that. I, I would take Brandon Carlo ten times All out of day. ten. All day. You were watching, ahead, Mike, Mike, I'm assuming you watched Felger and Maz this afternoon. At least that little I, bit I, of it. I tuned in. Because I literally, I walked into my house coming home, right, as that specific conversation was taking place. And I heard the names Brandon Carlo and Dougie Hamilton in that comparison. And what Brandon Carlo has done for this team, for his age, for for as little as he's been in the NHL, he he has stuck his body into this game more than Dougie Hamilton ever did. And the Bruins have by far won that trade against Calgary because... Hamilton's name is already still being mentioned in trades, even with Calgary right now. So Hamilton, Ham, that trade was a good move for the Bruins. As much as we didn't like it at first, it was a great move. Replacing him with Carlo, if you're going to play that comparison, the Bruins won hands down because the effort that Carlo is putting in and the development that Carlo has. Does anyone want to hear Dougie Hamilton's stats this year? Oh, please. <laughs> he's He has six points and he's minus nine. Wow. Six want, points and he's minus nine. Yeah, we want to trade. I'm. You don't know how excited I am that we actually want to trade. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I just. I just can't get. I just can't. Like, the, like some of the Bruins writers just absolutely love Dougie Hamilton. And I just don't understand it. Like, I, I don't want Dougie Hamilton. I, at the time of the trade, when they traded Dougie Hamilton, I wasn't upset. I was more upset about obviously the, the Sagan trade than the Hamilton t- trade. Oh, I Hamilton just, didn't really bother me. No, it didn't bother me either. And like, can Bruins fans just let go of Dougie Hamilton? Just let it go because he's not coming back. One and number two, he's not that good. He had the potential to be good, but he's not. It's no, just not going to happen. 
should be you should celebrate. You should actually erect a statue of Don Sweeney for training that you know that kid who absolutely you know did not even meet. He was never a physical defenseman anyway. That pick was probably hmm, anyway. You know what I mean? Well, I think they, they thought he was going to be a transcendent like offensive defenseman to like place next to Chara and kind of develop his defense that way. But he yeah. just never did. He just never did that. No, he's, he's, he was no Paul Coffey or Bobby Orr, so everybody's got to stop that, you know. Definitely got to stop that. I mean, this it's just so frustrating that people bring up Dougie Hamilton. And, yes, they could have done that the same thing the way Winnipeg did. But the thing with Winnipeg is they realized that Troop was actually, I don't know, good. And that's why they wanted to keep him. Yeah. He, they, didn't yeah wanted to get, they didn't want to just get rid of him for nothing. It's because he was actually good. Yeah, Brandon Kahlo, just he's a plus eleven, amazing, just amazing for a rookie. And he's playing over twenty. I'm not even gonna look at Carlo's numbers. I want to look at the fact that Carlo is not afraid to throw his body in the way. He is not afraid to take a shot. He's not afraid to take a shot when the game is on the line in the final two minutes. Pay attention to that. Those are the most important things and traits that you want in a hockey player on your team. And Carlo, well, I mean, the, the plus minus is an important for for defenseman. I think more than anything. So being a plus eleven, that means you know what's going on, on the ice, that you're not making mistakes. That you know what I mean. So that's it's, I it's, a, good, it's a good number, but I think that more so than numbers. And this is me who doesn't. I look. I, I look at numbers too, but I just see the effort and the fact that you know he'll put his body on the line. He is not afraid to take a puck. And that's something Dougie Hamilton did not give the Bruins. No, absolutely. He did not sacrifice the body. I agree. Absolutely not either. And in this, in this same story, you know, uh, Fudo also goes off on like a few other points. And um, another big thing that I that I used to do, Joe, before we got you on the show, What's is that? I used to rip Louis Erickson every single day. Oh, every God, week. Share oh, the keep same going with this, Mike. I'm looking forward to listening to this. I, share the same brain. I, I used to... Literally crap all over Louis Erickson and so, dump on him. And I never liked him. Everyone would always be like, oh, Erickson, why don't you like him? Because he sucks. I don't care if he scored 30 goals. He doesn't impact a game. He's a finesse. He doesn't impact a game. He's one of those Swedish players, and he scores 30 goals because about 10 of them go off his ass because he just well, stands pro- there. He's a prototypical Canuck. Yes, exactly. And he's not even from Canada. He's a mental Sweden. case. But listen, so listen to this, Joe, right? So uh, in the same story, uh, obviously the Bruins, but Bruins fans would love him. They talk about his Corsi rating. Don't give me his Corsi rating. Like I care about. Oh his course God, they just love him. Oh my God. And they do. They do. It's uh. So Fluto writes the the cerebral wing had scored just once in his first fifteen games. Once he has, he has one goal in fifteen games in Vancouver, and if people don't realize, Vancouver is the worst team in the league so far this year in the NHL. Yeah, that's awesome. And by the way, they'll be like. Well, he has been his regular puck possession self, recording a team high fifty six point zero Corsi for percentage. Louis, he's minus four. What the hell does it matter? It was Corsi rating, and he's leading, and he's leading by time on ice with nineteen point zero three. What the hell does that matter? He's minus four, and the team's the worst team in the league. He's on the line with the Deans, right? I think so. And look, he's. This is what I mean. People overrate bad players, and they when they're on their team. Dougie Hamilton, Louis Erickson. I, I, I haven't even thought about Louis Erickson once this year being on this Boston oh, Bruins team. Bacchus, baby. Oh, my God. It's 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 amazing how much Bacchus and Pashnik have made me forget about Louis Erickson in, oh, one, in, in the first 15, 16 games for them. He has one goal. One goal. And he's minus four. And people and he, here you go, defending him, talking about his Corsi rating and how much time on ice he plays. You what, know why what? they do 
You know why they do this, Joe? Joe? What's that? Because he was the main guy in the Sagan trade, so they want to make sure that you know it looks it looks good for for the Bruins that that Louis Erickson has this Corsi and this time on ice and this blah 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 cra- crappy stat that no one cares about. That's the reason why. Louis, I hate I hated Louis Erickson with a passion when he was here. I hated the the whole Sagan trade in, in general. I thought um, getting Louis Erickson back as the main player in the deal sucked. Everyone would be like, he scored, but he scored thirty goals. Name, name me something that Louis. Name me a team that Louis Erickson played for that did anything. That Mike, did anything. The, the only bad thing about that is they did not trade him at the trade deadline and get anything. That exactly. was the biggest mistake they had. They should have got the two second round picks, whatever Neely thought they could get, and get something out of them because they got nothing. So you don't think two, they could have flipped those picks. They could have got another, you know what I mean? In the draft, they could have got a better defenseman, a better pick or whatever. So that's on Sweeney too, because they, they blew that. They, they, they should have, they were trying to make the playoffs. That was the whole thing. They were trying to make the playoffs that year. So that, you know, they would get the gate, they would get the concessions, all that stuff. And it blew up in their face. But you know what you see? And this is, this is where, you know, and I'm not going to do this this year, but this is where the last two years I was rooting in a way for the Bruins to lose and not make the playoffs. Because we're seeing the same exact patterns repeat constantly over the last five yes, years, and nothing was changing. And, not, and you know yep. what? You, we can place these mistakes on Sweeney, but you know what? In a way, now I'm kind of backing off of that one because I'm so tired of not watching playoff hockey. I'm so tired of watching a team that's not intense. That it's taking my interest away from the game. So seeing the Bruins as a team playing the way they are right now, I can put up with the management at the present moment until they start struggling. Absolutely, absolutely, Jason. I understand, but sorry, I just needed to rant about that because I loved I mean, it. Re- re- reading that, reading that story, it's like everyone when they were here, everyone was like Dougie Hamilton, Louis Erickson, yay, 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 yay. They're so good, but now, now they leave and no, no one misses them. No one. They weren't that good when they were here, and, and no one misses Louis Erickson. And Joe, you haven't. Jason, you haven't. We haven't even talked about Louis Erickson once on this show because that's how much. Irrelevant, he's irrelevance he's been to this team in this this franchise because you know I miss, apparently we don't miss Luch either because we haven't talked about Luch either. You you know I missed you know I missed Jerome Ginlap only one season. That's what I missed because he brought he brought so much to that team in fourteen. He brought the leadership. He lit a fire under Krejci. He lit a fire under Lucic, but they couldn't sign because uh, Shirley absolutely screwed up the cap. So imagine if they had a Ginla, you know. I would say I imagine it, but you haven't heard of, like two things from a Ginlay in Colorado. Yeah, so you have to work where he went. Colorado, he went to a crappy yeah, he team. Yeah, he signed with the wrong. He signed with the wrong team, and he did yeah. it for the money. I mean, yeah. I don't blame him because when, oh. when he signed with the Bruins, he didn't really get a high money contract. He kind of felt like an incentive contract. I loved but, him. I thought he was great here. I loved it. Yeah, he did every. He did everything. I mean, he was just. He's. A, I think a pro. To, I wish. If we didn't get stiffed in that whole uh, that trade in fourteen, he could have been the difference of us maybe winning another cup. But that's here or there. Yeah, it's definitely here or there. But uh, so I just need to go on that rant there. Foolishness out there. It's on, on the Boston Globe for those of you that you might want to check it out. No, it's like we might be big news today, Mike. It, meant it's, it was perfect for the show because all they talked about was Falgar and Maz, especially when I when I got home. So it was the right yeah, time but, for that. I mean, I, I read that over the weekend and I forgot about it until today, and just it really irked me. I just. I need to get that off my chest for Hamilton. And, and Mike, I think I think we may be twins, like fifteen to seventeen year, years apart. So <laughs> I, I like think. That's a scary thought, huh, Joe? I know it's a little weird, but whatever. <laughs> well, as but, we get um, ready to conclude the show, do you guys want to make our predictions for this week? Uh, I was just about to I was just about to say that myself, Jason. The Bruins got three games. So obviously, we'll be back on Tuesday when um, the Bruins have a, a lot, one more a road game 
on this tr- like mini road trip, I guess you can call it. Yes. They're in Minnesota, Minnesota on Thursday. They're playing at home Saturday against Winnipeg, and then at home Tuesday against St. Louis. David Baggs' yep. first game against his old team. That's going to be perfect for the show after the game. Yeah, that should be a very good one. I would be interested oh, to see if Baggs mixes it up with anyone. But uh, this is a this is a this is a tougher week for the Bruins, obviously yeah. because three. That, I mean. Wild made the playoffs last year. St. Louis made the playoffs last year. Winnipeg, I think, didn't make it last year, but the year before they made it. Winnipeg, obviously, the, the Bruins played them already this year in Winnipeg. But uh, this is a tougher week for the Bruins. So uh, anyone want to go first? Or you guys want me to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. I think they're going to, uh, let's see, I think lose to Minnesota, and I think they're going to win the two at home. Yes, believe it or not, just like Blue Apron, some good home cooking. Yeah, the Bruins could use some home cooking. Even though they've been okay at home this year, but they they need some home cooking. So I I like where you're going with that. I'm gonna say they beat the Wilds and they beat the Jets and lose to the Blues. I think the Blues play a very heavy, similar style game to what the Bruins played when the Bruins won the Cup that year. They lost to Columbus. What? Like they got blown out by Columbus too. Yeah, I understand that, but so did Montreal. Montreal ended up beating the Bruins. Yeah, that's true. true. So I mean. so I mean, it doesn't really, it doesn't really. Work. I mean, St. Louis is very skilled and big up front. I mean, they have good defense too. I mean, I'm just gonna say, I, I think the Blues game's the one that they lose. I'm gonna say the Bruins go two and one. Okay, and here's what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna give you my logic behind it. And I'm sitting here looking at the schedule. You're playing Minnesota, coming off of three days off. That's a lot of rest. So if they're gonna lose the game, it's probably gonna be that one because they start off slow and rusty, and they don't get their game back. However. I think they're going to win that one because I think it's going to be a vengeance game from the game before. Winnipeg is a game that they have to win. It's the most winnable game on the schedule this week. If they don't win that one, then that's on them. The St. Louis game, you know, if we're talking about there's a difference, you know, they've got Jake Allen as goaltender. We have Tuka Rask. It's going to probably be that matchup. I think Tuka Rask is a better goaltender because of that matchup alone. As tough as the Blues are, the Blues do have a tough team still. I think that Bacchus is going to play with a lot of emotion. I think the emotion is going to carry the Bruins. So I'm going to go 3 0 this week. 3 0 again. Winning streak. Are you good? I think I win every game the rest of the year, Jason. What? <laughs> no, but you know what? I, I know, my Jason. Is I try to do a little bit of logic with it, too. No, I definitely know. I, I understand where you're coming from with the logic, but you picked them 3 0 last week, 3 0 this week. You have them on a six game winning streak. You're right, I do. And it's because of the schedule. It's simply because of the fact that they have. Five, six, uh, six days off in the next week or so. So, I, I mean, I do like that they're playing Thanksgiving next week. That's great. Thanksgiving night. So when I get up from one comb, I can watch them. So, um, all right, oh Jason. God, I, forgot, I forgot about that, Joe. That's going to be great. Is that great? So, uh, Jason, you're going to be the rest watch. of the year. Yeah, that's great. I mean, chances so. are I'm going to be wrong this week. But, you know, what? I'm just saying because of the fact that they, they have six to the next nine days off. I got to you got to hope they take advantage of that, and they take advantage of that rest. Yeah, I agree. Definitely, but um, that'll wrap up our uh, show this week for uh, for Bruins Beat uh, by CLNS Radio. Um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, myself, Jason, and Joe, you can follow myself at MikeSutter22. You can follow Jason at JasonBuckley91, and you can follow Joe at BigBadBruins88. Right, Joe? Did I get it right? That's correct, sir. Finally, finally. I got I got to it, finally. Um, you can also follow our own personal uh, Twitter account at Bruins underscore beat. If you tweet at it, I usually always answer. I'm always usually logged into that, so I do I do argue uh, with people on that or give you my opinion about that. And um, you can also find us on iTunes, right, Jason? 
Yes, you can find us on iTunes at Boston Bruins Beat Podcast. You can find us on iTunes Stitcher. You can also find us on the CLNS radio app. So there are several places you can find us. I know I'm pretty sure we are on SoundCloud still. So, you know, give us a look. Also, you know, I've been checking the uh, iTunes for my computer. So if you leave us a rating and, a, and subscribe, all the subscribers help. And also, like I said, we are now officially sponsored by Blue Apron. So go check out the Blue Apron website. Yes, blueapron.com slash Bruins Beat. Free meals, free shipping for just going to Bruin, blueapron.com slash Bruins Beat. Check it out. You won't be yeah, disappointed. Also check out the uh, Big Bad Bruins Nation, which is Big Bad Bruins 1997 on Facebook, or otherwise known as the Tukarask Warship site. <laughs> the Tukarask Warzone, as you call it now, Joe. But, I know, right. But that will conclude our episode. If you're watching on um, Joe's Facebook Live page, we'll be back next Tuesday night after the game. Um, we'll do our show then, but for now we're um, we're done with this and uh, go Bruins. Go, go Bruins. Later.